grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we start to wrap up this series based on Isaiah chapter 6 entitled, Called. Here am I, send me. And if you're a believer, well, you are called. To know your calling, you have to listen to God. So you might want to listen to this message from Pastor Sean Azaro. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message, The Answer. Pastor Sean is teaching from Isaiah 6 and Psalms 9. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. God didn't talk just to hear himself speak. How do we end up answering sometime? Well, not too different than the prophet. God will nudge, God will begin to call. An opportunity comes up and we sense that sense of maybe I should do something. But then it's like, well, God, when I'm a little less busy, right now it's crazy, God. Yeah, my time, you know how my time is. Okay, 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 God, I can help out on Thursdays. Okay, I can, well, not, not every Thursday because we got soccer every other Thursday. And I'm t- yeah. Okay, I can help out every other Thursday, God, and I'm, I'm pretty solid on that. No, not kids, God. I can't do kids. Oh, no, I cannot do kids, God. No, 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 no. No, God, no, God. Let me tell you something. You say a no, God, um, I think you need to look up the word God because maybe you don't know what that means. We forget what that word means. Jesus had to deal with this. Remember in Luke chapter 9? Begin at verse 57, we're told he was going along the road and someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, you should follow me, but be aware. Be aware. There's a cost. That was a bit of a, a caution. Don't take this step lightly. Luke goes on and tells us, to another, Jesus said, follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me go first bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And you're like, wow, Jesus is hardcore. Jesus, that's a little harsh. Understand something. Um, It's unlikely the man's dad was dead on the road. Okay? What he's saying is, wait till my father's passed away, and then I can take care of all those responsibilities, and then I'll be freer. This isn't a good time, Lord. And he's like, Jesus saying, yeah, no. And, and, and then he goes on and says, yet another said, well, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus isn't saying he didn't want you to say goodbye to family, he didn't value family. He's not saying that at all. He's saying these are excuses that we use. And he's saying no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. He's serious. This issue of calling is a serious And how we answer makes all the difference. God is calling. What you hear will largely depend on how you answer. In fact, the Bible gives us a a virtual seminar on on how to answer. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, flip over there real quickly. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm going to pick up right at the beginning. Remember the story of Samuel. His mother brought him to the temple to dedicate him, and she offered him. He He was miraculously born. She couldn't have children. She did, and she offered this child, and so he went to the temple and served the priest Eli. So the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. In other words, people weren't listening, and so God wasn't speaking. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, well, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call, go back and lie down. So he went and he lied down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, went out to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. We understand Samuel is going to become the great, you know, prophet of God in this time, and he was going to become the the voice of God to God's people, the spokesperson of God. A third time, the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there. I don't even know. Can you imagine? The presence of the Lord was in that place. Calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Speak. For your servant is listening. God proceeds to speak to the boy about what he's going to do, including his judgment on Eli's family, and even on Eli himself for lack of leadership in his family. Pretty tough first assignment for a young boy. But the response was the key. Speak, for your servant is listening. Listening. Notice, it's in reverse order. First is the invitation, speak, God. And then the presentation, your servant is listening. But you flip that around, here I am, send me. Presentation, invitation. Here I am, God, send me. That's how we respond. Now, some implications of that presentation. Let's take a look at them. Uh, Number one, when we, when we present ourselves, we say, here I am, God, warts and all. Here I am. You're like, really, we have to say that to God? Yep, pretty much. Here I am, warts and all. In other words, and the, and the prophet did this. Isaiah did this. God, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Don't try to kind of posture in the presence of the Lord. See, God receives us exactly as we are. He didn't leave us that way, but he receives us as we are. Look, look how the Apostle Paul wrote this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. He said, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, stop trying to hide who you are. Stop trying to pretend. You know, one of the worst things we can do is start believing our own press. You know, we become followers of Jesus. We start to follow a little bit. We start to hang around with some folks who love God. And we start to clean some things up in our lives. And, you know, we can kind of believe our own press. And we forget that when he says, such were some of you, it, that's because he only had a partial list there. He didn't have time to list all the sins. But we need to understand, 
every single one of us were lost, broken sinners apart from Jesus. And we need to remember that without him, we are lost. We need to understand, in this whole thing in the world out there, there's no, there's no us and them. You know, there's just us. We don't get to look at the world and say, you guys, man, you've got it messed up, and I can't believe how vile you are. I can't believe the sexually impure you are. I can't believe all the stuff that you've, all the baggage you're carrying, and sit in judgment. Because, folks, it's not us and them. It's just us. Because they are just like us without Jesus. And we need to remember that. I mean, it takes this burden of trying to be perfect off of us, this burden of trying to pretend we don't have stuff that we carry around and that we're being saved from and healed of. Stop pretending. And you're like, well, we don't, we're not pretending. You know, we get all dressed up on Sunday. Well, okay, other churches get all dressed up on Sunday. You people, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I mean, we kind of get cleaned up, and we, we can really pretend even here at River City. It's possible. And, and if, you don't, if you don't think so, have you ever been in the car on the drive to church, and you're screaming at the kids, I'm going to come back now, I'm going to beat. Fighting with your wife? kind of whole thing, and then you get to the church parking lot, and you get in, and you're still fuming. I'm telling you guys, you better act like Christians, you little hellions. Mm. And then immediately, you get there, you close the car, you see somebody go, hi, how are you? And, oh, I'm blessed, I'm doing good. You're southern instantly, I don't know what happens. Instantly, it's like, you're from Louisiana or something. You're fo- Look, I'm folksy now. It's like you put on this thing and we pretend. Five minutes ago, we were kind of wrestling with real stuff and now we're going to kind of cover it all up. And I'm not saying you should come here and dump all our stuff on each other, but we better understand we've got it, right? And there better be places and times where we are honest and open and transparent with one another and go, I really do struggle with this. My temper is an issue. My thought life or purity is an issue. Sometimes self-righteousness, sometimes judgment, sometimes gossip, whatever it is. Because here's the thing. It is those things that we confess where we receive healing. Remember? The prophet said, I'm a man of unclean lips. You remember where the coal touched? He touched his lips because it was the area of his confession. I think if he would have said, I'm a man of unclean hands, he would have touched his hands. I'm a man with an unclean mind, he would have touched his mind. He was healed in the area of his confession, and I still think that's true. I think of those areas where we're honest and say, you know what? I need the Lord's touch. I need the Lord's strength. I need to be set free in this area. I think those are the areas where we begin to see liberty. We begin to see healing and transformation. Stop trying to hide who you are. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called The Answer, in the series entitled called Here Am I, Send Me, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, The Answer. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. When I say before God, here I am, it's warts and all. And, and another thing, stop using your sin or, or your sinfulness in the past or your failings to disqualify you. Stop disqualifying yourself based on your sins and your failures. Because God doesn't. A.W. Tozer said this, he said, What a gracious thing for us that Jesus Christ never thinks about what we have been. He always thinks about what we are going to be. The Savior, who is our Lord, cares absolutely nothing about your moral case history. He forgives it and starts from there as though you've been born one minute before. Isn't that fascinating? And what's interesting is he goes on to point out how unusual it was that the Lord revealed so much of himself to the Samaritan woman at the well. You remember that story? This woman had kind of a checkered moral past. In a very religious society, she'd been married and divorced like five times. And she was now living with a guy who she wasn't married to. Which just was taboo. You just didn't do it. And Jesus just points that out. And Tozer kind of just goes, why would the Lord reveal so much of himself when he didn't do this to everybody? A lot of people, he wanted them to discover. To her, he just lays it out there. And I think what it is, is he saw beyond her sin to her potential. He told her who she was. You remember what happens? Disciples come back. She runs into town, leaves her water jar there. She goes, starts telling everybody, come and see this man who told me everything. Could this be the Messiah? And... Literally, they all come out. This woman had a gift of evangelism. She had something in her that was contagious. The spark, what God was doing in her was contagious. And Jesus knew that and he saw it. Like, but weren't there more, more worthy people? Yeah, you know, not so much. When it comes to, remember the comparison thing we did in the presence of God and the holiness? Yeah, really, none of us are worthy. <laughs> Didn't work that way. He, he saw beyond her sin to her potential. Uh, let me just say to you, if you're walking in sin and it's, crushing you, which it it always does. It always kills. It's like cancer. Um, Let him touch you with the coal off the altar. Let him forgive you. Let him set you free. Repent. Turn to him. Let him set you free. God is calling. What you hear will largely depend on how you answer. Lord, here I am, warts and all. But I think there's a second answer we have to give too. God, here I am, gifts and all. That Samaritan woman, she had gifts. She did, I don't think she even knew what her gifts were. I doubt you, she could have sat and told you, you know what, I'm kind of contagious and people respond to me and I've got some leadership in me and it's just what I've got. I doubt she would have been able to tell you that, but she sure could have told you how she screwed up relationships 
and how she messed up her life. But Jesus saw more. He saw beyond that. Yes, here I am, warts and all, God, but here I am, gifts and all. Do you know he has given you gifts? And our spirit needs to be, whatever you see, God, whatever it is that you see, I'm here. You know, there are gifts, there's gifts and talents that you're aware of, and, and I know that, and that's awesome. You know what they are, you engage them, and that's great. Do you know there are gifts, talents, just things that God has placed in you that you don't yet know about? I don't care how old you are. You can be 75 years old and not yet fully understand all that God has invested in you. There's more. Keep pressing in. Here I am, God, gifts and all. I love this passage, Ephesians 2.10. And I love it because of this word. We are his workmanship. Another translation translated that, his masterpiece. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. I, that's not me. I, I'm, I'm, nobody, I'm no masterpiece. I'm just a regular working guy. I'm just a... A girl who takes care of her family and gets up and goes to work, does her stuff, whatever. No, no, no. <laughs> Wrong. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has formed you and given you incredible gifts that will, listen, only be fully activated in his hands. You can never fully activate your spiritual gifts, your full potential, apart from a vibrant, close relationship with your creator, your savior. Jesus said, remember what he said? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. And you'll bear much fruit. That's because our gifts, our potential, who we are, who we were created to be, can only be fully activated in his hands. 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift. Okay, for those of you sitting there going, yeah, I don't know that I have any gifts. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. God, all my gifts, they're yours. All my resources, God, they're yours. All my stuff, my money, my house, my cars, whatever I've got, God, I'm yours, it's yours. Use it. And do you trust him enough to do that? All my opportunities, do you know you have unique opportunities? You have opportunities I'll never have. And vice versa. Stewarding our opportunities is huge. Every one of us has gifts. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. And, um, okay, I want to just, coaching moment here. Coaching moment with Pastor Sean. I wish I had a little theme song I could play. Some of you who would sit and say, I don't have a lot of gifts. And, and you're sitting in the Christian context, you go, well, I don't preach, I'm not a Bible teacher, I don't sing, you know, um, I'm not a counselor, so I, I, don't know what I, I don't know what I do. Well, I'll help out. And, and, hey, we're so grateful to all the folks who help out. That's awesome, you know. Folks who help pass out, pass out communion, they, they, you know, help out doing different things, passing out bulletins, greeting people. Those are awesome, and those folks help make the experience here. But people go, well, I'll do that because I don't have any gifts. And then, okay, what is it you do? Oh, I, I started a company, and I'm a CEO of a company now, that now has 300 people that work for it, and we do that. Oh, really? You don't have any gifts? I want to slap them. In love, because I'm a pastor. It's always in love. You know that. Okay, just get, take, that, take my word for it. But it's like, are you kidding me? You have these incredible gifts that God is using, and he's multiplying, and you, you obviously have gifts of leadership. You obviously have gifts of vision. You obviously have gifts that God's given you, and you're using them. Please don't leave it all at work. Use it at work. 
Thank you. One person gets it. I think it was Mike McGuire. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. But I'm serious. And, and by the way, when you're at work, you've got to understand. Uh, God doesn't see, okay, well, now you're in your, your secular time, so I'll, I'll check with you later. Do you know those gifts you have? He wants you to use them for the kingdom there at work. The, the people you, who, who you work with you, the people, the customers you deal with. God has something in every one of their lives every day. And you can either be a part of that, you can encourage that, or you can ignore it. I'm just saying, you have crazy gifts, and you know what they are. I mean, if I sat and talked to you, you could tell me, well, yeah, I'm good at math, or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm great with my hands, I, I work with my hands, or I'm good with money, I'm a good steward of money, or, oh, yeah, I'm great with people, I, I can motivate and I can move people. Those are gifts, folks. Those are gifts. You've got lots of them. God, here I am, warts and all, but here I am, gifts and all. They're yours, God. Use me as you see fit. Don't leave all the best at work. Give your best at work, but give your best in every area of your life, in your family, in your ministry, in everything you do. God is calling. What you hear will largely depend on how you answer. A third thing we present when we present ourselves to the Lord. Here I am with all my doubts and fears. Here I am with all my doubts and my fears. Psalm 9, 9 and 10 says this, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Look, and those who know your name put their, what? Trust. They put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. It is not a sin to have doubts and fears, but it becomes a sin to give in to them and to let them rule the day. See, those who know your name, Lord, they put their trust in you. I trust you with my life, God. I trust you with everything that I have. I got to tell you, I think the best prayer in Scripture, okay, the best one, well, okay, second best, because the Lord's Prayer was technically the best, all right? We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll stipulate that, okay? But my favorite, okay, is, is that Father, remember Jesus, they came down on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples are trying to, to heal this guy's son, cast demons out of this guy's son, the kid was sick, he was out of his mind, and they couldn't do anything, and Jesus says, how long will I put up with this unbelief? And he says, anything's possible if you believe. And the guy says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. That's the best prayer ever. I do believe. And then he realized I'm talking to Jesus. I can't lie. He probably knows. So help my unbelief. That is a great prayer. It's almost like, Lord, I want to believe. I need your help. And Jesus is like, I'll take you on that. I'll take you on that. And he healed the guy's son. But the honesty of that prayer... It's not a sin to have doubts and fears, but if you take those to the Lord, he will do something. He will help you to trust him. Lord, I trust you with my entire life, and that's work, that's home, that's everything. I have a discipleship group of guys that I meet with every week, and these are business guys, and you know they're all different places in our relationship with the Lord, and uh, we're talking about trusting God in like the, the stuff of our business and our finances, and you know, we talk about this stuff, but for one of the guys, it just seemed to resonate in a different way. And he started kind of counting the cost and the implications and comparing that to where he's at. And this guy got, got I mean, he was, he was arrested by that. And he realized how big a deal that is. I think, we, oh, yes, of course, I trust God with everything. Oh, yes, of course. When you start kind of thinking about it, thinking about our typical, you know, MO and how we operate and 
how the decisions we make and how we walk through life, it can be kind of disturbing. And when we stop and consider, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. My business decisions, I'm going to trust you in. My hiring decisions. My decisions of how I'm going to approach my business. It's powerful. I'm trusting you with my whole life, God. Not just my eternal life, but like, you know, Monday through Saturday, too. I trust you with my future. We all have visions, goals, and dreams. God, I trust you with that. I trust you with the outcomes. The obedience is my part. The outcome is his part. So I trust you enough, God, to obey when it doesn't make sense or I don't understand or I don't know the whole picture. I trust you enough to do that. That's how we handle those doubts and fears. Here I am, God. I have them, but I'm going to surrender them to you. God is calling. What you hear will largely depend on how you answer. Last thing, here I am, send me. And there it is, the presentation and the invitation. You're always going to get to this point because we're not going to be talking about the warts and all anymore. We're not going to be talking about the gifts at all. We're not going to be talking about the doubts and fears. At some point, we're just going to say, here I am, God, send me. I'm your servant. Use me as you see fit. Send me where you like, God. I'm yours. Here I am. Send me. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series that's called Called, Here Am I, Send Me. It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.